Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement Podcast. On this show, I interview people from all walks of life to help inspire you to live your happiest life. What I love to do is share stories with you. Maybe you're going through a tough season right now, or maybe you have full-blown chronic depression, and just getting out of bed for you is a win. Wherever you're at in life, my hope for you is that you have at least one practical, actionable step that you learn from the conversation that my guest and I have so that you can take action today to keep going, to not give up hope, and to actually do good in the world. Because when you start feeling happier, people want to be around you. You'll call in sick to work less often. You'll have more energy for your kids if you're uh, head of household. Or maybe you're a kid listening to the show yourself and you dream of a bigger, better life for you, but you're struggling because maybe your parents are depressed. Wherever you're at, I know that listening to this show will keep you moving forward. And I'm really excited about my next guest. This is my hero, Mr. Krause. He was my high school choir teacher, but I actually got to meet him when I was nine years old because he created a legacy program of excellence that everyone in our school district knew about, everyone in our state knew about, and in multiple states and countries. He left a legacy that continues on through many of us that were a part of his music company program. I encourage you to stay all the way to the end of this very long episode with tons and tons of value because I do talk about the Listening Room Experience competition at the end. Check it out. All right. I am so excited and so honored to have my first podcast guest ever in the history of the world come back for a 2.0 version, my hero, Mr. Krause. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Absolutely. For those that don't know the background, I don't know how they don't know if they've been following my content because I've posted about you so many times, so many stories. Uh, but for those that maybe are listening for the first time or watching the YouTube channel of the Move Happy Movement vlog, uh, you know, we connected actually when I was nine years old. Uh, you were doing this 35 family garage sale slash yard sale fundraiser event and my my oldest brother was in the music company and that was my first introduction to you and we have since grown a friendship and relationship mentorship um, for almost 30 years so I'm I'm super blessed to to be able to learn from you and whatnot and I knew I knew that people needed to hear from you follow-up session just with everything going on in the world so thank you thank you very much I love to share Hey, the deal, the deal about being 78 years old is I have a lot of, by the way, do you know what the old lady said? What? There's no substitute for experience. That's right. That's, That's what she right. said. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is that the old lady is Norma Jean or someone? No, no not, that, not that old lady. No. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so I feel, and I believe a lot of people would agree with this that when we hear from someone that has created a legacy business brand or a legacy transforming children's lives, uh, that we wanna know a little bit about their upbringing because maybe there's some golden nuggets that they can glean from your foundational uh, experiences that they can maybe incorporate in their families or their businesses or their music programs. So with that in mind, can you tell us 
what Mr. C was like as a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love to rub, run and jump. Mm -hmm. And that's, I ended up doing track. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, I love to sing. My mother said that uh, when I was little, I, my, my high chair I used to rock back and forth in the high chair and sing. Aww. So one of those things I actually sang before I talked. Um, every my dad used to sing when we were in the car. My dad and I used to sing Michigan songs together. Um, I just sang all the time, and and I think the thing that everybody needs to learn from that is that you need to do what you love. Yeah. If you do what you enjoy, you won't work a day in your life, and that's really yeah. true. I'm always reminded of the story about the guy who went into a restaurant and sat down. And there's a family right next door, right right next to him, and. Uh, the little kid didn't want to eat his peas. So the father said, eat your peas. He says, I don't want to eat your peas. Eat your peas. I don't want to eat your peas. And then he said, I spent my whole life doing what I did not want to do. Now you eat your peas. And I'm thinking. Hey. You're teaching <laughs> well, everything. <laughs> what, a, what a waste. Just like the people who come in and say, oh, it's Monday. I say, thank God it's Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I got to have another day to go. But I think the, the lesson is that learn, do what you love to do and don't worry about the money. If you do what you love to do, right. the money will come. Yes, I love that. So as a little kid, I used to sing all the time. Seven years old, I was in the church choir Aww. and I was a soloist, Spanish oh. soloist. And I was so good that they actually farmed me out to some more churches to sing and I made a little money. So really? I was a professional singer at seven years old. Oh, that is How about so that, neat. Huh? Then my voice changed. <laughs> Nobody wanted to hear me anymore after that. Oh no, <laughs> hormones, man. <laughs> That's neat, though. <laughs> so you were seven, and you were performing. Then your voice changed. I'm guessing around you know 12 to 14 or so. So was that yeah. junior high, middle school age? So did you? I was stop early. Uh, I was singing in a professional uh, choir mm -hmm. when I was uh, in the seventh grade. Okay. I think it was. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, but the other thing I think is interesting, I was just thinking about your questions. Uh, yeah. Sixth grade, the band guy came down from the junior high mm -hmm. and he had everybody come into a room and he tested them for things. And he said, uh, after testing me, he said, boy, you really have good rhythm. He said, you'd be a great drummer. And I said, no, I'm going to be a great singer. <laughs> said, and he tried to talk me out of it. He worked very hard. And I said, nope, I'm going to be a singer. And I stuck to it. Then I got to junior high and I had Dorothy Acevedo mm -hmm. as my as my music teacher. Uh -huh. She was wonderful. I just I lived for those classes when I could be with her. Mm -hmm. And again, that's another one of these clues. Duh, I should be in music. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> another another so clue. Neat. And then uh, junior high, um, I had another wonderful director, her husband. Uh -huh. And uh, I was in the choir. And uh, get this, when I was in junior high, uh, we joined the high school choir and we did the uh, Messiah, the whole Messiah. Wow. When I was in junior high. Uh -huh. And we had soloists come from Michigan State University next door to come over and be the soloist. The orchestra was a professional orchestra from the place. Here I am in the, in the seventh grade eighth, or eighth wow. grade, whichever one it was. Yeah. I sang the whole Messiah. I wow. sang that at PLU. That's a very challenging music program. That was our top, the top choir at the university performed that. You got to do it in seventh grade. Wow, that's incredible. That yeah. reminds me of the festival in Bethel School District. Did you start that? Did you plant that seed? 
that sounds like that sounds very similar to I, what I think I nudged it in a few directions. Yeah. Program, but no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, you're humble. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk high school. Were you singing? High school. Um, the bad news was that I, I, the the music. Well, I went to a boys' school, boys' private. That's right. School. So mm -hmm. the choir was a glee club, and the glee club director was just happened to be the organist at the church. Okay. So that wasn't too exciting. But the neat deal was that we got to do operettas. Mm. So the girls' school across the lake would come over and we'd sing together. And I was Poobah in the Mikado. I was Billy in um, Oklahoma. Oh, wow. Um, we also did, uh, uh, anyway, we did, we did an operetta every year. And yeah. I was a soloist in all the operettas. Wow. Here we go again. Yeah. Duh. There's another duh. And you got to and hang with girls. I really love that. The other thing was that uh, I picked up the guitar when I was a freshman, started playing the guitar and singing. Uh -huh. And uh, I got to the point where I uh, would go to uh, coffee houses and perform and Aww. make money. That's neat. Especially, like, okay. especially after I graduated, there was a friend of mine in school that ran a, a coffee house mm -hmm. type of thing. So he would hire me about once a month to go and, and, and uh, sing gigs with him. Aww. That's a lot so of fun. cool. That's neat. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I always learn something from you. All right. So then high school transition to college. Where did you go for your undergrad? Okay. Well, college, um, my brother, Ed, was in the uh, Glee Club at the University of Michigan. Okay. And I remember going to concert, his concerts and just being blown away. I loved the music. I loved the auditorium is a 4,000 seat auditorium. Wow. Uh, Hill Auditorium at the University of Michigan is just an incredible building. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at all that and I said, I want to do that. Yeah. I really wanted to do that badly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also ran track when I was in high school. That's right. Uh, I was the, I, I have three state championships from Michigan. Wow. From, uh, and uh, when I got to Michigan, I wanted badly to run. I thought I'd really need to get a, a college letter. Um, and it was a pretty bad program. My high school program was much better. So, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had time to do the Glee Club and that. So I got to be in the Glee Club and we went around the world once, actually went around the world. What? I, was a, I was a featured soloist with the Glee Club. So Russia, Hong Kong, wow. Taj Mahal, wow. all the European capitals, the whole thing. And I was a soloist in all those places. Wow. wow. You were hooked. So, I got to go to uh, uh, Europe once. We uh, went to uh, Washington, D.C. I said we sang in the National Cathedral. Wow. Uh, we were on TV t a couple of times. Uh, we did the, uh, not Ed Sullivan. We did some, anyway, we did some couple of gigs there that I got uh -huh. to sing in. Wonderful background. Uh, also uh, in the uh, choir with uh, at Michigan, I got to sing some of the really big, uh, choral works that very few people get to do. Wow. Uh, uh, the Bach Magnificat, nobody does. I got to do that. Uh, wow. We just sang this, uh, all things with really huge orchestras and mm -hmm. all. I got to be a part of all that. And uh, there are some things uh, that we performed at Michigan that I never performed again. Nobody out here on the West Coast 
did anything that huge. Yeah. Uh, so I was really fortunate to, yeah. to have that background. I also sang in an octet uh, that went performed different places. And that was kind of my idea for the music company later on kind of came huh? from that. Because oh. I used to arrange popular songs for the group to sing. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved uh, pop music and I loved uh, the intellectual choral music. Uh-huh. So I loved the whole thing. So when I got to high school, it made sense. Uh, my uh, gig that I made money at was uh, my choir. Uh-huh. My love was the music company where I got to sing all the pop stuff that I had loved all my life. That is and so dance. Weird. Wow. I, I always thought dance was kind of foolish until we went down to that uh, camp uh-huh. in California. And uh, wow, that just opened my eyes, this thing that uh, how movement goes with singing. Yes, and, it definitely you know, uh, does. He's told, one of the things they said was, even if you're standing on a riser, you're still you're still dancing. Yeah. So it's Wow, yeah. I, have I had a wonderful, said. wonderful experience in college. Yeah, that's so neat. For those that are maybe arrangers in music or they want to be arrangers, what was it like to arrange music pre like all the cool tech stuff that I'm sure there's programs that make it super simple now? What was it like for you to arrange music back then? Well, I had a pencil and a a score (laughs) to write on. Mm -hmm. Um, With me, I would uh, find something that just blew me away, Mm -hmm. a piece of music that I just I had to perform. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any sheet music for it. So I sat down and wrote it up myself. I learned how to pick the pick the parts out when it was yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. I learned how to uh, make chords work together. I learned about uh, voice leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned so many things by doing that. And it's really funny to look back. If you look at my first thing, I think my treble clef was backwards and all my sharps and flats were in the wrong order. And... <laughs> But I did it because I just I was just so excited about it. Uh-huh. Another little funny story about that. Uh, I taught uh, guitar for a number of years in high school at uh, Lakes High School. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that the people that had to go to take lessons never kept going with the guitar. People that, that were really excited about it and did it all on their own were the ones that stuck to it. Mm-hmm. So that's that old deal about, you know, find what you love yep. and then just immerse yourself in it and don't worry about right. anything else. And it that's the way you should live your life. I love that. Yeah. And that's interesting going back to writing, handwriting your scoring of your arrangement. Yes. I actually did that in graduate school because I didn't have any music degrees and I tried to apply to get into a master's program for music, but they said not without a bachelor's program, but the FAFSA and all the student loan yeah. regulations in our country uh, wouldn't but allow me what to have the same you, degree. What happens when you run into a wall? Yeah. You go around it. You find so, a way around it. I was lucky I had my advisors from Australia and she was, she asked me this question, what would you enjoy spending a year creating? Cause I told her I wanted to do a project and I said something with music and she was like, okay, but this is an exercise psychology masters. And I was like, yeah, well, if I can add dance, and then do the music. And so I made it a lot bigger than it had to be, but it ended up being, you know, no educational background other than my experiences with you for three years and going to that jazz camp you were talking about earlier. For those that don't know what we're talking about, the College of the Siskiyous with uh, Grammy award-winning composers, Roger Emerson, Kirby Shaw, and then Disney choreographer, John Jacobson, who's now president of some um, music curriculum organization. I forget the name of it. Now, 
Um, but that was top, my only top drop is it called or top to you drop. That's yeah, I like think that. I think that's what it's called. I like I I was in choir in college, but I didn't have any music degrees. And then I created this project, five songs and five dances. It was supposed to be for fifth grade curriculum. The feedback was that it was actually dance level middle school and music high school level. And then I was invited to a regional conference to present my, I was the only person for dance to be invited to a regional conference for multi-state. Cool. Yeah, I didn't get to go because they wanted me to pay for everything. But hey, that, <laughs> told, that told me that you did, you did an incredible foundation for me that helped me to believe that I could do something without actually having the professional expertise. So I did find that way to walk around that. that I think part of that too was uh, my high school experience uh, in music was really so limited. I wanted to give my high school students, uh, you know, just a, a professional background in music. You know, yeah. I found the 16 or the 20 kids that were really talented and I really felt should go on. Yeah. I gave them all of myself. Yeah. You know, all the things that, that I loved, all the things that I had learned over the years, all the little sayings like, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Yep. Mm. Excellence then is, an, is not an act, but a habit. Yep. Aristotle, yeah. um, and I just passed all those things that I'd learned all throughout my life to kids, and uh, yeah. I really enjoyed that. So many of them will come back and spout back to me some things that I've done a lot of, which I think is really a scream. But hey, if it stuck with them, yeah. good deal. Yeah. yeah, and I think you give good, you get good. And so those of us that were blessed to be a part of your whether they were just in the choir or got to be, you know, exclusive with you after school for an hour every day and the whole month of August and the whole week down at the jazz camp in the summers, you know, we want to give you honor back because we've seen how most people in everyday life just do the bare minimum. I think you said it was an 80-10-10 rule and 80% are followers. You're gotta be a ten, top ten percent. You get to choose every single day if you're gonna be top ten or always negative in the bottom. Make your choice. So top ten positive, right. bottom ten negative, middle of the people just sort of go along with whatever's going along. Be yeah. a top tenner. Yep. Top ten percent or one. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's see here. You talked a little bit about the foundation of um, starting the music company. Uh, do you remember the year? What what year you started the first? program 80 86 87 86 it's probably the 87 okay. uh, 87 school year okay so i was one years old when you started it uh, and, and the reason i started it was because again i just uh i i had all that in music in me and i yeah. in college we'd sung all those songs yeah. and i'd arranged them all uh and then gee here i have a chance to uh perform that myself. I can do anything I want to do. So yeah. hey, let's get a little group of kids together. Start out, start out with a bunch of girls because I didn't have enough guys to perform. Mm, uh, and we did that. that for a while. And mm -hmm. then uh, there were some boys that came up and said, hey, I want to be part of that. Cool. Oh. So it just started expanding. And 1996 was the first year we uh, had a choir that went anywhere and won any awards. Really? Really, I think that was my, my oldest also, brother. That was that was the first time anybody uh, won anything at the district level. Ah. So uh, that was really uh, it was just it, it was all in me. I just wanted to let yeah. it out. And I just wanted to do it. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the thing. I loved it I every day it. until the last year. 
The last year I was all ready to go to school and I walked in the door and my stomach cramped. 2013, 2014, I'm out of here. Yeah. You told us too. You were like, I go to a job that I love every day. And the day that I don't love it will be the day that I'm done. (laughs) The day I was done. That's absolutely right. But you kept doing things. You kept, you know, being a um, adjudicator and you, I'm sure you coached other people. You helped me create my second therapy program that was billable to the state of Washington without it being empirically based, which was against the rules. But hey, you know, you you helped me to believe I could do hey, things outside. Under that wall, <laughs> walk around. <laughs> For those that um, might not enjoy their, their, their day job, but they're in the process of, this is just kind of impromptu just from what we talked about. Uh, they're in the process of wanting to, you know, create other pathways to get out of their job or to get out of boring meetings that they don't want to go to. What are some tips that you could share on how to get out of those adult meetings that you might not be a part of <laughs> while still having your organization that you work for uh, allow you to do that. You know what I mean? Well, I was always sort of a rebel. Uh, it really bothered me to look at something that didn't work or something mm-hmm. that, that was, that could be done a lot better. Mm-hmm. And it just really bothered me. I remember uh, uh, in the, early years of, of singing of the choir at uh, Spanaway Lake, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have a district organizer, different district uh, person that was in charge of music. Mm-hmm. And so we started bugging the administration about that. And at that time, their big idea was to come, they put big pieces of paper all over the wall and mm-hmm. you're supposed to take a sticker and go put a sticker on things. And so they started doing that. And I stood up and I said, no, we're not gonna do that. The only thing we need is we need a district music coordinator. I don't care who it was, but is but somebody who can mm. coordinate it and make this make this happen. Yeah. And uh, so they stopped doing all the things and they and they actually sat down. We started talking about things that mattered. Ah! <laughs> Hello. So we got this person that started organizing things, and then eventually uh, we got to the point I started uh, a district choral festival so all the schools wow. could get together and sing some songs. Wow, you started that. just kind of grew into other things. Um, but yeah, I, I was it, maybe not so smart, but I was always uh, a rebel. If it, things weren't working well, you know, Mm-hmm. I'd sit down with whoever it was. I remember one time, the my favorite one was um, when the, we were taking, uh, schools had to take those tests. Remember when testing was a big deal? Yeah. So it was a four days worth of tests and then nothing on Friday. Uh-huh. Well, the uh, principal at the time wanted to uh, do well on all that. You know, he wanted to look good on. So he said, uh, your sophomores, the ones that took the test that were really important, that are in your ensembles uh, can't go to the the uh, uh, state contest. I said, what? No, they have to stay here. So what I did was I called the, every parent of every sophomore and I told them what the principal had done. I didn't tell them to do anything. I just said, just giving the principal them information. has said that the sophomores cannot go to the state contest yeah well eventually uh letters started going to the superintendent <laughs> yes uh, you know um, and pretty soon the superintendent called the principal and said no you can't do that he said uh if the kids show up every day for those tests 
Yeah. And and we were going to go on Friday. If you got all those tests done, they they should go on Friday. So yeah. he called me into his office and he says, "I've never been so angry in all my life." And I just sat there. I got what I wanted. <laughs> I didn't care. So the sophomores got to go, and we and the sophomore girls won the state championship that year. Wow. And you know what the girls did? When we got back on Monday morning, they all ran into his office, every one of them with the with the trophy <laughs> right down in the middle of his desk. And they yeah. were just excited and so excited about it, you know. So the morning announcements, the principal got on and he said, I want to congratulate the women's ensemble, blah, 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 blah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thanks goodness. <laughs> yeah. If you if you, um, if you run into a wall, yeah. find a way around it. That's right. I love that. Oh, that's such an awesome story. I remember you also giving us tips for, for the future while I was, you know, a high school student. I think I was a junior when you said this to us. I forget how the conversation started, but somebody said, oh, it's so annoying, like orchestrating or organizing people or students. Like, I think it was like maybe the president was talking about something in another class. And you said, you think it's hard organizing high school students? Think about organizing adults everybody's complaining in our meetings. And guess what? I don't go to any of the meetings because I have an hour with you guys after school every day. And I was like, yeah. Well, that's and the other part of that too was uh, there was a lunchroom for the teachers. Mm -hmm. And when you went into the teachers, that's what happened. They would all just, just they hated complain about everything. Yeah. So I just didn't go. I stayed in my room. All yeah. the kids were in the room eating lunch. Yeah. It was wonderful because, yeah. uh, because teenagers, everybody complains about teenagers. But teenagers are very positive people. They laugh yep. a lot. Yep. Uh, they have fun. They have a lot of friends. Yep. And it's just wonderful to spend their lives rather than a bunch of, of uh, adults who are just, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. I always loved that. You left the choir door open during the lunchtime. Sure. We would I wanted all you kids to come in. It was fun. Yeah. We could practice if we wanted to. Some of us played cards at the table. You had gotten a couch donated. So it was like it was like a family space, like. Yeah, it was really neat. <laughs> helped, it helped make, and also helped make the choir a family place. Exactly, exactly. Not as dumb as I look. <laughs> and for those listening to the podcast, definitely need to hop onto YouTube so you can see the man, the legend. <clears throat> so, all right, here we go. What are some of your most challenging memories and exciting experiences around music directing? Well, I've told you the the uh, of the bad ones. Mm -hmm. Um. My most exciting thing, I think, was um, the first time that women's ensemble won the state contest. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the movie about the 1980 uh, hockey team that beat the Russians. It's called Miracle. Yep. When it was uh, all over, when the when the Americans had college kids had beaten the Russians. Mm -hmm. Remember the the coach went out and just went out into the back of the place where there nobody else was, mm -hmm. and he just stood against the wall and just you know he was so excited that everything that he'd done and all the brick walls that had put up that he yeah. got around yeah and he had won and that's the way I felt the girls all around me when we uh, they announced that Spanish Lake High School was the first place. They leaped out of their seats yeah. and ran up to get their trophy and came back. And I was so happy. Yeah. That was one. Another one that was really a neat deal, too, is there was a, a, a school 
that uh, had like 4,000 students. It was huge. They had two choir directors and, you know, all these choirs and all this. Mm-hmm. They went to a district, you know, they went to a, uh, an international competition at uh, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And we were there one time uh, up against them. And there was a trophy for the best choir of all the choirs that had sung, women's choirs, men's choirs, mm-hmm. concert choir, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There was a trophy for the best choir. And I remember that they named the third place and, you know, the, whoever the third place was, they remember the second place. And you could see all these people from the big school there, all this, oh, we're going to be next. Vanderbilt <laughs> really Lake High School. And they were all just shocked and they didn't clap. They just, they just couldn't believe that they had, because they won everything forever. Yeah. And uh, I think that was my senior year in high school. I think that was your senior year in, in high Aladdin, school. In the Aladdin, there was like this Aladdin room. It was in the second, it wasn't in the main Disneyland. It was in the no. other uh, cartoon. What was that called? It's another part that's kind of a private, yeah. Yeah. For groups. Yeah, you were a part of that. Yeah, that was my senior year. Yeah, that, we were our tails off. That was very exciting. Yeah, and all of those, I remember we took first in everything except for my sophomore year, we took second. But it was that bus driver's fault, man, because he didn't he didn't treat us with the value of excellence that we had. He wouldn't let us have our dresses on in the main um, part of the bus. bus. He wanted us to throw them underneath. And I'm like, excuse me, sir, I'm 15 years old. I spent $600 on this dress. It's not going on the bottom. And he just didn't listen to us. So we ended up getting distracted from the main goal focus of being, you know, elite performers and winning, but we still took second. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking of the really high spots. Uh, one of them was uh, going to Hawaii and going out to the uh, uh, USS um, Missouri, the Memorial. Mm-hmm. And um, when we went out there, uh, I asked them, person if we could sing yeah. something there and he said no there's nobody is allowed to sing here yeah. and uh the lady that was leading our trip at the time went up to him and said no this is a national award-winning choir and blah 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 and he said well okay yeah. so uh on the memorial there's a there's a hole right in the middle and you can look down and see the water and little bubbles of oil will come up and it's almost like the spirits of the people yep. that had passed away down there. Yep. Like they were coming up to join us. Join us. It was so moving and the kids yeah. all came out and they started singing um, and everybody around stopped talking. They all yep. turned and watched us sing. We were all yeah. holding hands in the group. But when we were done, um, a lot of the singing kids, a lot of the high school kids were crying. I think I was pretty moved too. Yeah. And, I remember, uh, I remember the, the bus ride after <laughs> that. That was my was... junior year. <laughs> what? That was my junior year. Okay. Not and you remember the bus bus ride after that? Grave and weep. Yeah. I remember. And everybody that. was on the bus ride in the back it was very quiet. Usually kids were talking and different. Everybody was very quiet and just uh, moved by that moment. Really My cool. grandfather was um, on that that ship the year before Pearl Harbor, and he was reassigned Ooh. to Washington State where he met my grandmother. Had he not been reassigned, I would not be here today. So that was a very powerful moment for me. I didn't know that, but but you let mom, because she was Mama Rice. She was always queen volunteer, weenie queenie, all that. You asked her to, to come on the trip and she's like, of course I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> and she told me when we were looking at all the plaques of the soldiers that had passed away, 
and I saw his name and I was like, why someone else was named him? Well, they, they um, had a fire at um, one of the veterans places where they have all their files of their lives and they lost a lot of the records of these veterans. So they think that they just accidentally misplaced his file and they put the plaque there on accident because it was probably not two people with the same exact name. Uh But uh, yeah, that was a neat experience for me. Thank you for sharing that. You started to say something else and I got us distracted with, with that. Do you remember what you were saying or I'll, I'll move on to another question. We'll come back to it. Okay. That was a neat experience though. We didn't compete in Hawaii because I remembered you said, I want to win. And the Hawaiians are extremely good. And they sing until, all the time. <laughs> until we can beat them, yeah. we're just going to enjoy the trip. And that'll be our culture experience and expanding our, our mindsets to um, respecting other people. I could have taken the best kids singers I've ever had over... 30, say 38 years or whatever it was, I could have taken them all and picked the best ones and we still wouldn't have won there. So why go to some place to come in? Yeah. You want to go someplace and you want to work really hard and the reward yeah. is that you win. Yeah. The same way with life. That's right. I love that. That's what, that's the deal about uh, going up and selling hot dogs up at the stadiums, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's music, but it's also life. Yep. I think I remember uh, one time we were going up to perform the, or to work there, and there was more kids than we could use. <laughs> so the lady uh, who's in charge of everything, kids, said, "Can I take some of your kids and move them to this other stand that doesn't have any kids today?" I said, "Sure." So the kids got there, and the who was ever charged of the thing said, "I don't want any teenagers working here. Teenagers just lazy and blah 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 blah." And the lady said, "Nope." You need people here to work in the back room and have hot dogs yes. ready for you and all that. So they're going to work here. Okay. And so when he was done, he came and found me and he said, you know, those are the best workers I've ever had Aww. here. And I told the kids after that too. I told them that little story too. That's that, uh, you learn how to do all that stuff and you do it really well. Yeah. And people appreciate excellence. Yeah, that was always something that even though it was work, it was fun because I got to meet all of the parents and a lot of the grandparents would come as well. Not all, there wasn't a lot of dads because they were, a lot of them were working, but it was neat to see and meet dads because my dad worked nights, so I didn't get a lot of time with him. So it was kind of like, you know, being able to be shaped by other parents. And I'm still friends with many of my friends' parents from being in the music company. They're on my Facebook, like they follow my channel, you know, it's, it's neat. You, you definitely created a, a legacy, a family legacy that continues on. So Well, I just figured um, there, were, there were kids in the music company that had never been out of Pierce County. Yeah. And, you know, for them to get on a plane and fly to Hawaii. Yeah. If I can give a kid that experience like that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember I would talk about it. And the parents would say, well, how do I do that? I said, mm-hmm. I need to go, go up to sell hot dogs. Yeah. And you get to work, you get to be with your kids, you, you know, how much time do you get to spend with your teenager? Mm-hmm. Uh, not very much. <laughs> well, you can go up and work with them and, and be a part of all that. So it was really, it turned out to be a very neat thing. Yeah. yeah. And it kept us out of trouble. I mean, like the neighborhood wasn't the nicest. So either it was easy access to illegal activities. So yeah. it kept it kept us protected. It kept us making good decisions and motivated to focus on the goal of winning competitions. And and when you're, uh, we made one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. What I did not know that. So let's talk so about all that. Of, 
all of the 32 kids that were in the ensembles got private right. lessons all year. Uh -huh. They got accompanists that were paid for. Mm -hmm. uh, and they all got to go wherever we were going there, your Disneyland or Hawaii. They all got to go. Their parents all got to go. Wow. Um, it was a business. You turned it into a business. I, I, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't want to, but I guess I was pulled <laughs> kicking and screaming into it. I had to do it. And who was, do you remember the lady that we would turn our money into? Was it Buchanan? Uh, I'm trying to remember. She was the accountant at the school. She's the ASB lady. Yeah, she was neat. She was really she, neat. She always looked forward to seeing us. Yes. <laughs> Here's well, our money. <laughs> well, she's doing all this work all the time. And, and for her, the joy was to see the kids mm -hmm. and to spend time with the kids. So yeah. for you to come up and say, oh, here's your money. All that, you know, mm -hmm. so it was uh, fun for her, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so what uh, you kind of alluded, alluded to this, so we can pass if you already answered it. But what are some of your most proud moments of your life? Well, I think um, for me, running track was a very important uh, part of my life. And, and the, the track coach was also the uh, assistant headmaster mm -hmm. at school, who I got to know really well. He was uh, uh, in the Air Force during World War II, stationed in the Pacific. Oh, wow. And he uh, has a like a 180-page memoirs of 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 what it was like and all and which I didn't know much later but he was a wonderful man mm -hmm. and um, uh, I loved running track there and uh, my senior year I won the state champion of the ship in the 200 and wow as I was running down the track a little puff of wind came up and I remember my coach said uh-oh and uh, I would have set a record for the state of Michigan in the 200 Mm -hmm. uh, but that little puff of wind, they said, no, it was wind aided. So I didn't Aww. get that. But I can close my eyes and in my mind, I can run that whole race. Yeah. And I have been able to do that for my whole life. Wow. Uh, if you're in a place where you just have to sit for a while, yeah. or for me, I have to do a lot of uh, physical training. So mm -hmm. I'm on a bike or I'm, I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I just close my eyes and run that race. It makes the time go by pretty fast. I love that. I love that. People will say they get bored. I say, nope, that's the B word. You can't be bored. Yeah, there's you have so to much. Think about something that's really important to you, some, a memory or something you're getting ready for or whatever it is. Uh, close your eyes and you can go anywhere you want to go. I love that. And visualization is a huge part of exercise and sports psychology. They've done in the last 10 years a lot of white paper, um, empirically based evidence i got to be a part of the program at the u.s army and air force funded by this government organization i was a team of nine that my i was the specialist to train the soldiers on how to get their stress levels in control so they could focus on you know important things not just losing weight but it was like okay this is literally life or death so visualization is super important um, and you learned that before it was even a thing yeah. that's so neat that's so neat all right so as a music director and you also uh, ran, you know, a business, kind of you set it up as a business and whatnot for, for most of your career, what are some of your best tips to helping other families balance their career and their personal life? That's tough. I don't think yeah. I did a very good job of it. Okay. Um, I really gave my life to my kids mm -hmm. and uh, conducting and being with them. 
Uh, I asked my wife a number of times, do you want me to slow down and not do so much? And Shia said, no, those kids need what you're giving them. She supported So you. I did. Um, I wish there had been a way I could have spent more time with my family. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I just had this calling. It's just like yeah. something I had to do. Yeah. And, um, so I don't think I was very good at that. Okay. Um, and I don't know what to say about it other than uh, during the summers, before I started working in the summers, uh-huh. um, you know, we used to take trips and do a lot of things. So I was very involved for a while. But then the more older I got, the more time I dedicated to my business, my kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my students. Uh, and uh, I don't think I did a very good job of balancing that. Okay, well, I'd like to counter. Um, <laughs> I'd the like thing to, to do is, again, if you have something like that that doesn't work, go find somebody who's good at it. And yeah. You know how to do. Yeah, hire it out. Business, business yeah. is just doesn't work for me. I'm a, I'm a musician. Uh, yeah. I fought it for a long time, but I finally had to realize that, you know, something was telling me I had to do that. And I, and I kept running into walls and yeah. I just said, you know, this is crazy. I'm going to stop running into that wall. Yeah. I'm going to run into that wall over there. Yeah. There are so many memories. You would talk about Norma Jean all the time. And we loved hearing stories about, because you would edify your wife. And that was, that was demonstrating to, at least to me and to my friends, the ladies in the group, how a man should treat his wife, how he should talk about her, you know, outside of that. And that always meant a lot to me. And then we got to have our dresses uh, customized, sized to our bodies. And you were very particular about putting it at Norma Jean's house because anybody could get whatever false accusations of of things as, you know, professionals, but you set that up somehow. How how did you set that up? Well, the the dresses came and uh, it was the straps yeah, not fixed That's because right. uh, depending on the body, yeah. you know, the strap had to be longer or shorter. So uh, right. the kids would all come over to Norma Jean's house. Yeah, and there would be ten of you with mm-hmm. ten of these dresses. Yeah, and they were covered with sequins. It's very yeah. hard to sew mm-hmm. that you can't use a machine. You have to do it all by hand. She did all yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, and then also uh, we had a, a, a spaghetti night mm-hmm. with the girls. Uh, mm-hmm. And we watched Miracle, and then we had a spaghetti night with the guys and watched Miracles. By the way, the girls ate more spaghetti than the guys did <laughs> every time. But um, uh, yeah, they watched Miracle, and then we talked about it, and everybody got to spend time with Norma Jean, which was very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, she's all. She always had fresh fruit out for us, and was yeah. interested in learning about us. And yeah, that was always that, that was always a neat time. Yeah. And her, also, her major in, in college was home uh-huh. and family life. And she taught that for a year at Lakes before we got married, and she quit that to raise you, raise my kids. Aww. But, uh, Is that how y'all met? Uh, very smart, very smart uh, gal. Her mother was a nurse, so she learned a lot about that stuff. Yeah. Her grandmother was a fabulous cook. She came when she came from Sweden. Mm-hmm. In Sweden, she went to a culinary school. Mm. And when Norma Jean was a little kid, she used to follow her grandmother around, and you know, so. <laughs> very interested in cooking. Aww. Yeah, she's an interesting gal. She had a lot of uh, a lot of experience and a lot of things to teach. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And she was always in the audience for all of our concerts. Like she was very <laughs> invested and involved. So yeah. I I really appreciated that because that was like 
it was another example of how you treated us like family. And you well, convinced, you you convinced were, her. You were my yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I think, I think that although you said you did not do a good job balancing, I, I think there's definitely a give and take and, and she did uh, step up and give you a lot of grace for that. I think you, you made up for it by talking about her and letting us know how much you appreciated her, you know? Oh. Uh, what are some of your best tips in collaborating with other music professionals and teachers to be able to travel with students around the world? Well, again, I think you have to go with, uh, with what's important in your life. What, uh, what will make you happy. Yeah. And uh, I, I, the program that we were developing at Spanaway Lake, um, we were starting to win some inter some uh, contests, and we were starting to really uh, produce uh, some wonderful stuff. There were a lot of kids who transferred from whatever school they were going to Spanaway Lake so they could sing. Mm -hmm. And, and wow. so the, the choirs got really good, and, and they were good enough to say, you know, um, when we travel down to Disneyland, let's, uh, let's be in a contest there. Or I think the first trip we took was up north Mm -hmm. into Canada and um, we started winning lots of awards for all those things and I'm thinking you know awards are important uh, it tells you that you worked hard and that you did a good job yeah uh, it's kind of the thing at the end you know you work and work and work and work and work and then you have a performance yeah and if you can have a performance with a lot of other schools that are like you and yeah. uh, be the kind of school that everybody else was going wow about yeah then it developed pride in the students. They wanted to work harder, you know, and, and uh, that again is a life lesson. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, if, you do, if you do something, do it really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, the money will come and uh, yes. the friends, the people uh, uh, who are in your business will gather around you because you're successful. Yeah. And you said something that really stood out that made me think of uh, the second program uh, where I, uh, when I worked at the psych hospital where I developed this whole move happy thing, it was another colleague. I didn't even work with her directly, but I had done so successfully with the first program that, and then I just happened to have an end of the summer barbecue where there was like different stations and, and the patients got to celebrate. And I was at the karaoke stand and I sang a Mariah Carey song and everybody heard me sing well she reached out well I also sang for the Christmas um, they had like a holiday thing for all the patients so I sang carols for them a couple months before that she stopped me outside and she's like hey and I never talked to her before I didn't know who she was and she was like hey um so I heard that you sing I really want to teach the patients how to juggle and I was thinking maybe you could teach the patients how to sing there's a lot of benefits to juggling as far as cognition and um, many of the patients have like have had strokes the elderly patients and it's good for cross lateral training and whatnot and and I know there's there's evidence for music and singing for helping improve yes. their mood are you interested and I didn't have a music degree I didn't have a background in it other than my professional experience with you and you know singing in college and a scholarship and so I said okay so what I noticed and learned from that was like someone three floors above me heard about it and then came and asked me and she stepped up her game. So then I said, okay, let's, 
what if we add a comedian? There's actually um, uh-huh. Rick, he used to tour around the US and Canada and as a comedian. And he's one of our, um, he worked on, on the ward with me. I said, we could do a three trio and it, we could call it performing arts therapy. Uh-huh. And that's how it started. And oh, that was cool. the second program. And, and you helped me with that. Cause I was like, I've never taught singing before. And so I said, hey, are you available to help me out? I want to make it successful. And you did. You took some time out and we met at the Starbucks by PLU. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You remember that? <laughs> and, and you were like asking me questions. Okay, you need to know who you're teaching to. Who is your audience? What's their background? Maybe some of them don't know anything about music. Maybe some of them are elite music sh- musicians and they're going to be bored to death. You need to teach to your audience. And I was like, oh, that's a great question. So I created a little questionnaire to figure out where we were at. And we had, we did, we did have a professional violinist. He was a teenager and he performed all over the world, but unfortunately got into illicit drugs and lost some of that, the skills of it. But he was, you know, one of them on the, on the extreme excellent end of music. And then we had some people that just enjoyed to listen to music and they knew nothing about it. So it was like, wow, I'm so glad he asked me that question because Otherwise, I would have just been making him bored to death and making everybody else excited or vice versa, overwhelming the the newbies in the group. So that was a neat experience. Just, uh, just reminds me of something that's uh, sort of related. Uh-huh. I remember one time uh, we were, the choir was going to sing someplace and we got up on all the risers and turned up there, turned out there were more of us than there were in the audience. <laughs> and the kids said, why should we do this? Uh. And I said, because that's what we do. And yeah. The best job you possibly can do. Yep. After we were done singing, someone came up to the audience and said, "You know, my mother just passed away." Mm. And he said, "I was having a great deal of difficulty dealing with that." Yeah. And he said, "Listening to you sing uh, gave me a chance to feel yeah. what had happened." Oh. And he said, "It really, it really helps me to deal with with my wife's or my mother's death." Mm-hmm. And I told the kids about that later. Wow. And I said, remember, you all said, let's, no, nah, 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 it's not worth, I said, if you even have one person in your audience, yeah. or one person that uh, in your business or whatever it is, yeah, um, you never know, but you may do the thing that's going to change their life forever. That's right. You just, you don't know. You don't like, know. Look what you, look what you ended up doing with your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. So I, have, so I have one student that's uh, on Broadway now. Wow. Yeah, let's talk about all these success stories. I have a student that became uh, an opera singer. Wow. And I have a student that uh, for a year was in Tops and Blue, the Air Force music company. Uh Uh-huh. Those are three highlights of my life of kids that I... Yeah, that that, performed uh, for a Super Bowl. That performed for a Super Bowl. There you go. And I connected to him for my veteran concert series because you created a legacy of lifetime relationships. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it and you never on. know, you never know how those things are going to happen. But if you uh, just right. give it, give it, give it all your all, it's just yeah. amazing what will happen. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. <clears throat> so if someone wants to start their own music company program or insert, you know, their own name um, at their school, what advice would you give them? Uh, you got to get the, the principal on your side. Okay. You have to believe in, uh, in music and what it does for kids enough that 
you can you can get your principal or whoever's in charge of what's going on to buy into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was in one year we had uh, um, we had a period every day that mm-hmm. was supposed to be for blah blah. I don't know whatever order it was. And um, I wanted to spend, I, I couldn't meet the kids after school, so I wanted to have the music company meet during that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of teachers who said, no, you can't do that. You know, you've gotta, you got to do whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like it was math or something. So I, I told the kids about it, and I, I said, they're not going to let us meet. And uh, the kids said, yes, we are. <laughs> so the kids all put together their own little program. They did a video. Uh, they were also they were going to present it to the faculty of the school. Wow! Holy smoke! So here's a hundred teachers smoke. out there watching what's going on. So <laughs> they're ready to go, and bang, something happens. The electricity goes out. So they couldn't do their little show. Oh. Uh, but they they all stood up and they talked. They performed a little, and they talked to all the teachers about how important it was to them. Wow. And to their lives. Wow. And uh, afterwards, the principal put it up for a vote. And I think it was like 90, 95% of the teachers said, yeah, go for it. Do it. So love it. Uh, yeah. How do you, you have to get people behind you. Uh, yeah. A little trick I had was uh, every year I would give an honorary music company award. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gave one to the superintendent. Mm-hmm. And I gave one to the principal, and I gave one to the ASB lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave one to the parents who were, you know, really instrumental in making all this happen. Yeah. Uh, to other uh, teachers who who uh, participated in the program, elementary and junior high teachers that did, that sent kids up to me. Yeah. Uh, and it was a way to just thank them and get them involved in what's going on. Uh, and I just funny little thing about that. Um, the principal and I got to be pretty good friends <laughs> and uh, through no fault of my own, the first year I taught, I didn't get credit towards my, uh, towards retirement. It's a long story, which I'll huh. get into, but uh-huh. when I did retire, I noticed that I was getting enough money for 29 years instead of 28. Huh. I wonder how that was going on. So I went to the principal and I said, what's happening? Or the superintendent, what's happening here? And he just sort of, smiled and I knew what he did he'd given me that extra year Aww. and it made a lot of difference in the amount of money I'm making for the rest of my life wow wow so you never know how those things are going to turn out yeah you, you, Just, you definitely earned that one <laughs> I love that that's such a beautiful story awesome did you were you involved uh, when the music company used to go for the Christmas festival yeah Christmas, we went the Christmas dinner at the district choral fest district office yeah, we did that, and oh. we got to go to Tom Siegel's house, which was the superintendent of the whole school district, and I got to see his photo. I believe he was in the Navy. Yeah. I think. Oh, and he was a big deal in the Navy. He ran, like, he ran, I forget what his title was, uh, what level of officer. Intelligence, and he was, a, he was a commodore, I think, for some, or whatever, but anyway, he was a big deal. It was, yeah, he was a big deal. And it was nice to meet all his like hootie tootie friends. And I'm in high school and I'm like, oh, I feel so fancy. <laughs> well, but but think about it. Uh, you know, that cemented uh, everything I wanted to do. Um, I, I, I had the principal behind me. Well, not a, 
not always. So I had principles that were not. That's yeah. that's why I have PTSD because I had eight years of a really bad principal. Mm. At least I had the superintendent behind me. Yeah. And uh, all the parents. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the teachers. So that's what you need to do to get started. And then uh, you need to decide what it is you love about music. Uh, I love the intellectual classical stuff, but I also loved uh, oldest but goodies, and I, I love dancing and, and mm-hmm. all things. So I just created as I went along, and I had a lot of battles. There were a lot of uh, walls I had to get around, mm-hmm. but uh, I just kept at it. I knew what I wanted to do and uh, dedicated my life to that. Yeah, and you That's did a lot of marketing. Like before I knew what the word marketing was and I started learning through growing my business, I was like, you were an excellent marketer. You had the poster boards, but also you planted seeds. We'd perform at the elementary schools. So then all the elementary schools wanted to be in the music company. And every, every fourth grade girl in the district wanted to be in the music company. Yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew about it. I mean, to be able to perform for all the superintendents, of the entire state of Washington and sing a solo as a 15 year old to them. Like you can't really put a price on the value of that experience, you know? Yeah. Well, what it, what it did for your self-confidence. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. From a low income school district, it made us really believe that it doesn't matter what income we have right now that we were, this is just a stepping stone for us. Why do you suppose I gave you girls a $500 dress? (laughs) <laughs> exactly to increase How our many value. times in your life have you worn a $500 dress exactly yeah mom wasn't too happy about us going to the mall and getting the Estee Lauder makeup because I think <laughs> money was tight in the house but I'm glad that you encouraged us to do that because stage makeup you have to look presentable and there's actual reasoning behind it when you have strong lighting on your face you don't want to look like you're pale and you know you're sick you want to look professional and you did everything. All the fine details of that were, you know, incredible and important to the foundation. Love it. Great tips for for future music directors. If you're one percent, if you're listening to the show right now and you're one percent interested in starting a music program at your school, I say start it. Start it right now. Don't wait for the pandemic to be over. Uh, you can figure out ways for it. Um, you know, maybe maybe you're doing Zoom classes right now and you're having to figure out how to get the timing and tempo of your music while also dealing with tech lags. Figure out how you can get the students to safely practice on their own, get them engaged. Maybe you start planting seeds in your neighborhood of businesses, of gigs to get them set up for success and go from there. Uh, so with every success in life, there's always obstacles to overcome. I think you kind of answered it. Uh, one or what are some of your most challenging obstacles as a music director, husband, father, and business owner uh, to overcome that you'd like to share uh, with the audience if you haven't already shared everything? Any any other obstacles you want to share? Oh, there are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was uh, in uh, high school, first year I, I played uh, football. Mm-hmm. hurt my shoulder really badly. Mm. And uh, that in the spring after football, getting ready for football for the next season, the coach called me into his office and said, uh, I want you to be halfback on the varsity football team. I said, nope, I'm going to play soccer. Mm. And I bet he spent a half an hour telling me that only fairies played soccer and it wasn't really manly sport and blah, 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 and on and on and on. 
And I just stuck with it. I said, nope, I'm going to play soccer. Wow. Same thing when I was in the elementary school and the band director said, I need to play in the band. Nope, yeah. I'm going to be in choir. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was going to take me two more years to graduate from University of Michigan, just playing piano, I said, nope. I'm going to graduate now, so I changed my major and graduated on time with the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went and do an audition, and the director there said, "Boy, I said you, I think you're a great director, but your junior senior grade point average is not above a three point." Mm. So he said, "You need to go back to school, and you need to get an A in every one of your classes in order to come to the University of Washington for graduate school." So. I had a cousin who was a very good student, and he said what he did was he every every year when he got a new teacher, he went up to the teacher and said, I want to get A in your class. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to give me A, but I want you to tell me what I can do to make sure that I get an A, and they did. Mm-hmm. So I went back to every one of my teachers, and I told them, I want to go to the graduate school at the University yeah. of Washington. Wow. Uh, I need an A in your class to do it. I don't want you to give me an A, but I want you to tell me what I need to do to do that. I love that. And... <laughs> I did. I got an A in every one of my classes, okay. even piano, if you can imagine that. <laughs> Negotiation tactics. <laughs> so then uh, there is another wall that I got around and got to go to the University of Washington and mm-hmm. graduate with uh, uh, a master's degree in choral conducting mm-hmm. and also my teacher's certificate at the same time. Mm. And then uh, the plum came. I got to teach at the Lakes High School, which was at the time was just wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a fabulous choir that was. We sang the Bach Zinke Dem Herren, ein neues Lied. Mm-hmm. It was a 15-minute uh, double choir piece in uh, in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and we performed. And uh, one of the judges, who was a PLU director at the time, mm-hmm. uh, came up to me and said, uh, wow, he said, I know a lot of college groups that haven't sung it that well. Wow. That was pretty cool. That is neat. Was, that is neat. you remember the name of the professor? Sconas, Marie Sconas. Sconas, okay. Because I had Nance my first year, Dr. Nance, and then I had Professor Lehman. She was in process of getting her PhD. She was the one that jumped in glee after I told her I was going to pray on my decision to join the top choir because I didn't want to overwhelm myself. And she said, I've been waiting for you to join. Your ah. high school choir teacher wrote me a letter your freshman year, and I have been waiting. I remember your <laughs> name. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I wasn't in any of the music classes because I was a PE major, but she remembered my name because of you and oh, your three just letter. Little, <laughs> just a little, ex, a little example of somebody that I gave a little push to. That's right. Oh, yeah. Family. Look how they ended up. There's so many kids who I would talk to about what they wanted to do and they were reluctant to do it. And I said, oh no, you need to, you know, what is it? Uh, if you get a chance to sit alone or dance, yep. dance. Yeah. I said, no, I said, you go for it. You don't learn from things when, you know, at the top of the mountain, you learn things in the, in the valleys. That's right. And uh, so I, I know you were not uh, convinced that you were, going to be good enough to do all that stuff. And I yeah. knew you could. I knew you I, could yeah. I never visualized myself as a choir teacher because I think because I had my first performance at five years old in front of 300 people. And then the next week or two weeks later, it was in front of thousands still as a five-year-old. So I wanted to, if I was going to do it, I was going to perform. I wasn't going to teach other people. So I 
wanted to accelerate my skills in dance. So that was why I chose PE, but then they didn't have any, I didn't do my research. Okay. And they did not have a dance program at all at PLU, but it taught me how to do curriculum design and all of those steps that helped me now uh, create therapies for mental health, including uh, the performing arts music program. So, and actually fun, fun story. Yeah. Right. The um, professor Lehman I, in grad school, I went and visited the music program because I was, I wanted to get back into singing. I hadn't been doing it. And I knew I was in a jazz group that performed in restaurants. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to perform with them. I'm a few hours away. So I went and met with the head of the music department there before the school year started. And then he said, okay, audition dates are this date. And I, I totally bombed my audition. Like I honestly, like I was like that. I'm reading these notes. You wanted me to sight read. I actually know that I didn't do that correctly. I apologize. Like I'm embarrassed, but I sang a song that I sang in high school for our contest. And uh, they offered me at the end of my audition, the like second highest group or whatever. And I was like, "Mm, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be in the second top group when I've already done all of these things. I get an email from the top music director of Oregon State University saying, I know Professor Lehman, she and I were in school together. And I know if you were in the Choir of the West program with her, then you are an excellent musician and you just maybe need a little warm up. I'd love to take you on tour with our choir to China. And I ended up turning it down, but it was like, I got that email and I knew that, you know, those those stages, those foundational experiences that started with you, Mr. Kraus, you did it. Cool. We can take credit for the work that we put in, but we definitely set the foundation of excellence. Uh, so we've got, uh, now let's let's think bigger. Let's think countrywide. We've got, we do have top leaders that listen to my show, although I am working on getting the downloads numbers increasing. Uh, the type and kinds of people that are listening to the show are presidential level. Um, I know that. Uh, so if you could speak to the president of the United States, regarding music and the arts right now, what advice would you give him to help keep music at the forefront of educational programs, regardless of income levels in neighborhoods? Or her. Him or her, that's right. Or her, him or her. That's right. <laughs> well, anytime you do anything like that, um, it starts with your preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to have knowledge. Mm-hmm. You have to be convinced 100% convinced that you're right yeah you're doing the right thing yeah you have to be excited about what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have to um be able to sell yourself yeah remember when I was uh, in graduate school I was taking my, my oral exams mm-hmm. and I remember that one of the things that that one of the subjects I had taught were the uh men's choral work of Schubert mm. and uh, I remember I got started talking about it and the, the guy who was the head of the panel there were three teachers there that were listening to my adjudicating me mm-hmm. and one of them said okay that's enough I think we want to move on to another subject I said no wait a minute and I started telling them about all the unique things that I had discovered about Schubert's works for men men's chorus and I was really excited that I had found all these things. And uh, Schubert, besides writing beautiful music, uh, was a pretty smart guy. Uh, the way he put together his uh, 
not only the melodies, but the choral things underneath them, the, the way that he planned uh, how he was going to do his modulations through the whole work. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just fascinating. I was excited about it. Yeah. So I just said, well, just wait a minute. I want to tell you the rest of this. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, uh, they passed me, but afterwards, uh, all three of them came up individually and they said the neatest things about listening to you was what you said about Schubert. And they said all three of them, all three of them were PhDs. They all said they learned some things that they never knew before. Oh. So it's preparation, it's excitement, it's knowledge, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's experience. Mm-hmm. It's all those things come into play. And uh, uh, the worst thing you can do is to stand in front of somebody and not know or not believe uh, what you're doing and not yeah. have enough knowledge to be able to present yourself. So you have to really work hard to have all that all that background, all that stuff available for you. I remember that uh, I uh, took Spanish in high school. I spent a month in Chile with my uh, Spanish teacher. Mm. And um, I remember when uh, I got to Spanaway Lake and and the guy was going to give me a job. And he said, well, there are only three choral uh, organizations right now. We have two openings. I said, okay. He said, can you teach Spanish? And I said, sure, I'd love to teach Spanish. That could be a lot of fun. And then he said, uh, can you teach American literature? And I, and I, I had it at my school, I had a really good English teacher who was really excited, excited about American literature. And I learned a lot about it. And I said, yes, I would love to teach American literature. I was excited about, the, yeah. as excited about those two things as I was about having fires. Wow. And uh, I really loved the times when uh, I got to teach those classes. Eventually, we started adding choirs, so I had to drop Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two, I had to stop teaching the other two, but it's just background. How do you know? How would yeah. you know? There's when I was in high school, if you had given me a hundred possibilities for things that I could have done with my life, mm-hmm. music would have been or teaching would have been 101. There's no way I'd ever want to be a teacher, <laughs> and here I am. You never know. You never. And uh, the Spanish that I took it uh, that I'd taken, I just. When am I ever going to use that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there's a gardener that comes around here a couple of times a year and helps me uh, with what's going on outside. And uh, he's in Mexico and I can speak to him. Yeah. There are a group of three ladies that come and clean our house every two weeks. And they're all Mexican and I can speak with all of them. And I have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. And they probably uh, love that they can talk to you. And I, you know, who would have ever known when I was taking Spanish in high school that it, that it would ever that I would have used it anywhere. And I did. Uh, when I was at teaching choir at Lakes, I had a lot of kids that spoke Spanish and I could speak with them. Uh, my parents, uh, when they retired, they retired to Spain. I got to go visit them and hmm. spend time uh, talking to people who were, who were from Spain, Spanish people. I, you know, I, who, who'd have known? Yeah. Who'd have known that? When I was taking American Lit at, at, uh, in high school, who'd have known that I'd ever end up teaching it somewhere? And right. it turned out to be one of the great joys of my life. You just, you never know. Aww. And so I remember. you get a chance to sing or dance, yeah. dance. Do it. Yeah. I remember <laughs> just like, just kind of the summation of what you just said. You taught us through your experiences, how to respect cultures of all backgrounds. And on our way to Hawaii, you, a couple months before our trip, bought all of us a book on Hawaiian culture so that we would be prepared 
for when, I mean, the book was like this big, if you're watching, it's like three inches big. So it was not a small book, but you wanted, you at least presented an opportunity for us to learn about another culture and respect it. Cause we did have, um, I don't know if we had Hawaiians that, that were in my direct connections at school, but I remember a lot of Samoans, um, a lot from yes. Vietnam, yes. um, highly uh, African-American or people of color. And um, I think we're predominantly Caucasian, but we wanted to learn and appreciate cultures because you created a space for us to be successful first place winners, regardless of what our background was or where our families came from, which was really neat. Interesting little story about that. When we were, one year when we were in Hawaii, um, we sang for the bus driver. <laughs> and uh, after it was over, he was just, literally in tears that, that was so beautiful and so we got to a uh, honaunau which was a holy place mm. and there was a guide there who was a hawaiian and was very much into that culture and we sang a song for him and when we were done he turned it back to us for about a minute nobody said anything he didn't say anything mm -hmm. he came back and there were tears rolling down his his mm. face and he thanked us for sharing it was just a wonderful thing well then we got on a catamaran, professional catamaran, went up the coast and went swimming in a place. Yeah. And 80 dolphins came into the bay and mm. swam with the kids. Mm. And when it was, they got back and they got on the bus, they told the bus driver about it. And he just smiled and he said, that was your reward for sharing your music with, with me and with the person that was the guide at the Honono. Mm. And uh, it's, it was like you said, it was like the gods were rewarding you for what you did. And whoever you think God is, yeah, uh, that's that was a reward we got for doing something uh, for someone else. And wow, who'd have known? Yeah, that's so neat. What a, what a, what a, a impression it made on someone else's life. Mm -hmm. I love that. <clears throat> so I did ask my audience um, earlier today for any questions that they would like to ask you. And uh, we actually had uh, Bill Dolan, who is uh, the owner and founder of Spirit Media. He's he's had an opportunity to work with former President Clinton, Gwen Stefani, Maroon 5, Tori Kelly, all of these people. And he's like a super fan of me. And he loves you because of all the stories that I tell online. So his question was, uh, he wants to know what advice do you have for all teachers out there who are facing unmotivated kids constant interruptions and burnout right now with, uh, with I think, the pandemic going on? It's tough. Uh, my wife was a much better teacher than I was. Mm. Uh, told, she tells the little story of one time there was a freshman, a sophomore English class. Uh, the teacher got sick or whatever happened, so they brought a, a substitute in. Mm -hmm. uh, after a week, substitute quit <laughs> just like the kids they had hired somebody else he quit they hired somebody else and the kids all went down to the principal's office and said we want a good teacher we're tired of all these people blah 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 so here's norma jean and he says to norma jean well i'm going to give you this software english class she was substituting at the time <laughs> she said okay so she went in and and uh did all the little magic things so that she knew how to do. First, she found the biggest kid and got him on her side. So mm -hmm. if anybody mouthed off, this guy would stand up and say, hey, 
shut up and sit down. <laughs> got a kid, she got a kid on her side. Um, they, she had to teach um, a uh, Shakespeare play, and the kid says Shakespeare. Uh. Yeah. So what she did, she gave the most important part in the Shakespeare play to uh-huh. the guy who was the biggest uh, screw up in the class. Mm-hmm. Turned out he had a very good voice and he had a really uh, uh, talent for acting that he mm-hmm. never knew about. And he, and, and anyway, she she turned that whole group around, and at the end of the year, um, they all told her they said, "You're the best teacher we've ever had." She was really good because she could go in a class that didn't want to be there and make them be really good. I couldn't do that. I could take a class where everybody wanted to be there Mm -hmm. and I could make them good. Mm -hmm. But I know that uh, if I was ever in a situation where kids didn't want to be there, Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the, I didn't, I didn't have the skills to make it happen. So mm-hmm. I just found out as I went along in life that there are things that I do very well and there are things that I don't do very well. Yeah. And uh, like p- playing the piano, I don't play the piano very well, so I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I got along fine. There were teachers yeah. uh, in college that told me I couldn't uh, teach choir if I didn't know how to play the piano. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. Prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's, Simon, another Simon those, that's another one of those. Hold on here. Yeah, I love that. Uh, sorry, I have to turn that off. That's okay. Um, anyway, um, <clears throat> that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's nice to hear that you can still take first for many decades and not be an expert with classes that aren't motivated and not know certain things that other people would tell you in the professional industry that you're in that you have to have these skills. Yeah. I think I think you that have to uh, hear that. again. It's the thing uh, that you have to develop skills. Yeah, you have to have the knowledge. You have to be excited about what you're doing. Yeah, you know, all the things that apply to everything that would be a business or with yeah. what I was successful in. Yeah. Uh, you have to be able to to be in there. Um, uh, if I was a really good Spanish teacher, I would have told the kids, you know, uh, and I did. I told them an experience I had had. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told him again, whoever knew that, that speaking Spanish would ever get me anywhere, well, yeah. my whole life it's been an important part of what I've done. Yeah. And I tried to share that excitement with the kids who were unmotivated. Yeah. Um, and I was mildly successful, but not like Norma Jean. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to realize where you're, where you're uh, every, everybody is really good at something that I am not good at at all. Yeah. And I am good at something that everybody else doesn't have. Yeah. No, it's just it's just the way it is. So you pick it is what it, whatever it is you're good at, whether it yeah. is being people or yeah. finance or I don't know, whatever it organizing organizing things, teaching, yeah. whatever it is, uh, go for it. Yeah. Uh, be excited about it and uh, you'll never work a day in your life. That's right. I remember you just brought a memory to, to my mind. There was a, a male student because we were always trying to get more guys to join the choir because it was a little bit of a challenge to get guys to believe that it wasn't, you know, stupid or whatever, whatever their thoughts were. And this one guy, we recruited him in because you were like, ladies, find the guys. And he joined in and he didn't have like a lot of a music background, but he was a really good artist and we were designing you were in the process of um i think 
I think Katie Nelson Penland and Katie Scoville were doing the the t-shirt design or it might've been the year after they graduated. Whoever was leading us at the time They're was like, all right. Logo. Yeah. We were trying to design this, this t-shirt or sweatshirt for our trip for one of our four outfits that we had for our set change and whatnot. And he's like, well, I can draw. And he had these cartoons. So we like presented it to you. Like he had this picture of you cartoon <laughs> and you were like, let's do it. Let's put that on the design. Let's do it. And uh, so that was. Well, we that had was this great. joke about this. We had a joke about the stink eye and I had a very good stink eye. <laughs> so they did, took a picture of it, put it on the TV. I put it on their TV. That's right. That's right. Okay. That was fun. Everybody had a good joke about it. That's okay. I don't care if it's hey, you know, sense. Everybody had their had part. Yeah, you made sure that everyone felt welcomed in the group and that everybody yeah. could add some value to make us even better. Um, so that question from Bill Dolan then sparked a private message from uh, someone that was actually a guest on my first year of the podcast. Um, and he actually is, I think he's retired now, but he he was the head of Disney Hotels. Um, so he he actually sent me a PDF of his response to the question for, from Bill Dolan. So he definitely is going to be listened to the show. I want to give a shout out to Lee Cockrell, um, who's a, a great gentleman. But he he uh, sent me this PDF called School Systems. He doesn't have a question, but School Systems. Oh, it's actually from him. He made it. So I'll, I'll send that over to you after the show if you're interested. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then... I'm trying to see if there's any other questions. I definitely want people to have the opportunity to ask you while we've got you on the show. So I'm just going to do a quick scan through and check my Facebook real quick. My mom, of course, she commented. She loves you. (laughs) Everybody's excited. I said, I need y'all to pay attention. When I, when I release this episode, I need y'all to share this with, many people that are listening because there's a lot of people that we don't know if they're having a great day if they're going through a tough season maybe they lost somebody recently maybe they're, they've they got a family member that's sick right now in the hospital and all the unknowns and things like that um so or maybe you know maybe they're going through cancer treatment um i know matt is you know the pre- previous super bowl performer they, they've got that going on with their family everybody's got different levels of stress going on right now um, any last uh, words of advice, words of encouragement you'd like to to share with those that are listening to the show or watching the show on YouTube? Yeah, I think uh, stick to activity is an important word. Yeah. Um, I had a tumor grow in my spine that uh, got so I was paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. And I, uh, I went into the, uh, uh, had the surgery and afterward, I was in the hospital recovering for a month. Yeah. I remember the first time they had me in a room, they gave me a cane and they said, okay, you're gonna stand up. And I said, I'm gonna do what? I said, you're gonna stand up. Okay. And at that point, you know, I could have, as, as this, uh, before I'd asked the surgeon, what's the prognosis? And he said, well, he said, you could die. Mm. something bad could happen. You could die. He said, uh, you could do like a lot of people do, which is to just go home and lay down on the couch and die. Mm. Or you can walk. He said, it's up to you. Wow. Pressure's I said, on. cool. Well, you know what? I think I'd rather walk. Yeah. 
So I forced myself to do that first time to stand up. And I remember when I got up, mm -hmm. I looked down at the floor. It looked like I was looking at the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. But I just kept saying, you know what? I want to walk. Mm -hmm. So then they say, okay, now you're going to take a step. Mm -hmm. No, no, you're crazy. No, you're going to take a step. And then you're going to walk to that wall. And then you're going to turn around. And you're going to walk back. Mm -hmm. I just had a shoulder replacement. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, how do I recover? And he said, you just got to keep moving. Mm -hmm. So now I can, I can do this. That's awesome. For the first time in 63 years. Wow. Uh, from the shoulder thing. But that's wow. what he said. He said, it's up to you. Uh, you can, you need to work hard at it, but as hard as you want to work. Yeah. He said, you can do these exercises three times a day would be wonderful. Once a day would be great. Once yeah. every two days is, is acceptable. Mm -hmm. But he said, it's just how you want to get that shoulder back to the point where you can do everything that your other shoulder can do. And I'm pretty close. Yeah. And I'm still working at it. So, yeah, the, uh, the thing is stick to it. Yeah. Whatever it is that's going on, you've got to believe in it, even though people that will be principals. I remember one time there was a vice principal that told me, he said, if you were my football coach, he said, I'd fire you. Uh, okay, well, then I knew I was doing a good job and I just had to keep going so I would get more kids attracted to the program. That was the only way I was going to get better. I knew how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And he was wrong. Mm -hmm. The principal that said, you can't take your sophomore kids along to the state contest. Mm -hmm. No, he was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I figured out a way to make it, make it happen. Yeah. Um, so many times there are things that are thrown in, in your in your way yeah you have to figure out a way to get around that wall yeah that's, that's my message to everybody i think that's beautiful and you reminded me uh, my boss who i love my boss at the psych hospital you know dad died my first week on the job and i was grieving i was healing and i felt so loved and appreciated from all the patients and the staff like they were checking in on me they were telling me hey we're praying for you our dad died too you know things like that and i wanted to make it better there and their fitness program was not good. And I was like, I want to create something. It'll get my mind in a positive space. I want to do this for the patients because I'll work on it outside of my work hours. And I won't be thinking about dad's death and crying and stuff. And she gave me every excuse in the book. She's like, Aaron, we don't have money. I was like, I can make it without any equipment. No problem. Okay. Well, the patients don't like fitness. I was like, yeah, I've seen the program. They do the same yoga DVD and walking DVD every day. They're bored to death. I would be bored too. She's like, okay, <laughs> well, it has to be empirically based. It has to be something with white papers backed. And I was like, I went to grad school. I learned how to do research design and all of these programs. And I um, learned that you have to have a team of experts approve of it before you facilitate and disseminate it to your audience. So let me send an email out to all the psychologists, psychiatrists, rec therapists, music therapists, and get their feedback before I, I give it to the pro. So she finally agreed. And I'm so glad she did because she told me, um, people started telling me you should apply to be a psych associate. You get paid more. You'll get paid for the, your master's degree that you have instead of, you know, at a bachelor's level for my, the entry level job I had. And I was like, oh, okay, so now I knew I knew to apply for psych associate. And I told her, I said, I need more money. Like I just went, got divorced, like money's tight right now. And she was like, well, she said it nicely with encouragement, but she said, Aaron, 
I know how they operate here. I've worked here for 30 years and no one in the history of my 30 years working here has ever been interviewed without a state license in therapy. I was not only one of 17 interviewed, I was the one that earned that promotion because uh, a lot of the belief that I had in I'm not gonna listen to you <laughs> tell me I can't do something. I'm gonna add more value in this hospital than they can ignore. You um, found a way around the wall. I found a way around the wall. So I'm very grateful for you teaching all three years I got to work with you. Pretty much every single day, except for July. <laughs> that was for your family. Three years I got to work with you. <laughs> and we got to, you actually got to sing last year, part of my concert series that started, I was in an Airbnb homelessness. In my last concert in December, I had a presidential candidate of the United States of America in attendance. And you were a part of that. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for your time today. This has been one of my most fun interviews ever. <laughs> Uh, and, and what a wonderful way to spend an hour and an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed it. every minute over there. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you. All right. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. I hope that you learned something today. I hope that we added value to you in whatever season of your life you're going through. If if we did add value to you, it would mean the world to me if you would screenshot a certain part of the episode that really stood out to you and maybe jot a couple sentences and share it on social media. You can tag us um, on Facebook. It's soon to be called Meta and Instagram. They're, um, they're owned by the same company. They're soon going to be changing their name to Meta. Um, but for right now, you can tag us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, the same handle, the little at sign. The Real Move Happy, T-H-E-R-E-A-L-M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y. On Twitter, you can tag me at Move Happy Team. That's Move Happy, M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y, and then Team, T-E-A-M. On Snapchat, it's the same beginning of my website, The Move Happy. On LinkedIn. Um, my main page is my professional page, Erin Nicole, CEO and founder of Move Happy, Erin Nicole Media, and Erin Nicole Ministries, uh, which is a veteran and first responder nonprofit. However, the Move Happy business page, you can tag us on there using the little at sign move dash happy, and it will populate with a lavender and gray logo and my little R registered one. There are other businesses on there called Move Happy. I am the one that owns the trademark globally. And uh, I'm also on Clubhouse, though not as frequent. You can connect with me on there, Move Happy Aaron. And I'm on Twitch as well. And um, that's for gamers that are into video gaming and whatnot, uh, live streaming. I haven't created content yet, but that is in the plans in the future for Move Happy. So you can add me. It's just Move Happy, M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y. And then if you have any friends or family that are going through tough seasons right now. Maybe they've got cancer treatment in the family, or maybe they lost someone to COVID, or an elderly person, um, you know, maybe the grandparent or parent passed away. You know who your community members are. You know who's going through a hard season. And if you're not sure, maybe you should check in on them and say, hey, I liked this, this podcast. I was listening to it on my commute to work. Um, on my drive home or during my workout at the gym. I think it, I think you'd like it. Have a listen. That would mean the world to me because my goal and my mission is to empower the world to find happiness from within and to end global suicide. And I know that I can't ever 
I will never meet that goal in my lifetime. It's a legacy business. This is a legacy vision continuing on what Mr. Krause instilled in me in high school, which was to dream bigger and to do what I love because the money will come. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, what I do uh, for those that are regularly sharing my information, sharing my content and helping me spread my brand around the world, I honor you. And once we get to 10,000 downloads, you can actually check this 24 seven. If you go to themovehappy.podbean.com, so that's themovehappy.podbean.com, you can check how many downloads we're at any time of day. Uh, right now, we are at 3,070. So we've got a little ways to go to get to that 10,000 mark. So once we get to that, I'm going to be providing all of my regular listeners that have been sharing consistently on social media that have been writing reviews on iTunes to help increase our views, um, following me and sharing the YouTube channel, uh, which is you can search on YouTube, go uh, move happy movement vlog with a V for Victor. Uh, that just means it's a video blog. It's it's me and my guest if they're comfortable being on camera, which Mr. Krause was. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, I highly encourage you, if you want to see the man, the legend, my hero, hop on over to YouTube. <clears throat> but Listening Room Experience is a fun competition that I actually learned about from my brother. And you can follow him on YouTube. He's everywhere, but his main thing is YouTube um, for music. He's a professional musician. Um, he goes by J just the letter J and then space R-I-C-E for J Rice, that's our family name. And he texts me one day, I'm, I'm walking through PLU's campus right by the tennis courts about to order a sandwich <laughs> for lunch and I get this text from him, hey sis, you'll never guess who's in the listening room with me. And I'm like, what's a listening room? And he tells me it's where the best of the best musicians share their music to each other before they release it publicly on radio stations and whatnot. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds like fun. Cause I, at that point I was on a vocal scholarship singing in choir and I was also singing in a jazz group with a professional musician, Kelly Coons, who directs, directed his own group for a long time with his family members um, called Groove for Thought that actually made it onto a TV show uh, a few years ago called the, I believe the Sing Off TV show. And so, I always want to get better and, and that's a cool little thing. So I says, okay. He's like, you have two guesses. First guess, uh, Mariah Carey. That's my favorite all-time singer of all time. You make a decision, you're loyal for life. And he says, no. I was like, okay. Beyonce. I'm just throwing this out there, guys. Like, I did not think that Beyonce was in the room with my brother because I love my brother and I'm proud of all of his successes. But really, like, Beyonce, he says, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what? Beyonce's in the room with you? That's freaking crazy. So that's the kind of excitement, the kind of vibe, and the kind of VIP treatment I want to do for you. Those of you that are sharing my show, that are actually making an impact in your community and being kinder to other people, I will be releasing my world premiere music to you first before it gets distributed out to the world. And that's actually what I did all last year when I launched my nonprofit for veterans and first responders and their family members because they are at most risk for depression and actual completion of suicide. They are 10 times, I saw a study 
for EMS professionals specifically, they're 10 times more likely to contemplate ending their life here in the United States compared to average citizens. They see things that you and I, if you're not in that space respectively, we never have to think about that space. Like children passing away in a car accident, right? And then them having a family member that's also the same age or a child at home and being able to separate that work from, from their personal life is very challenging for them. So I hosted 11 concerts last year while moving to back to the state that I have residency and juggling homelessness and starting a new career and being disrespected from a federal company and being disrespected from a sales company that told me I was gonna be a W-2 employee and then was paying me cash app and wasn't giving me benefits and was forgetting to pay me. Like I continued to stay laser focused because I felt in my gut that the Holy Spirit wanted me to start this nonprofit to honor our veterans and first responders. And I did start that first concert from homelessness. And my last concert, I had a presidential candidate of the United States in attendance. And they got to hear some of the music that I wrote last year. I wrote 32 songs last year during all of that chaos. They're not all done yet, so it gives me fun projects to work on, to improve on, and to keep my mind in positive spaces for those days that I'm struggling to get out of bed because even I have those days too. So you're normal. If you're having a, a rough day, it's okay. Here's your pep talk. Get out, dance for 10 minutes, and then tell me how you feel. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Share, share, share. And don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you next week.